like I find that like I like I want to do, and, and this drives some people mad and they can't believe it, but it's like I want to do the least amount of work and get the maximum results from it versus like having to, I, I don't want to do one more extra round just to do it. I, 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 you know, it's like, I'm the laziest coach there is in that regards. And it's not the end. And, and I'm, I'm being funny about it, but it's like, why do I need to do, you know, this much when you, you get the result doing this much and at this intensity. And, and Welcome to the Science of Building Champions podcast, where your host, Don Heatrick, chats with top-level fighters and coaches, diving into their stories to discover what makes champions. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Brian Popejoy, coach and owner of Boxing Works Gym in California, a former IFMA gold medalist Thai boxer himself, and the first US coach to have a fighter win a one championship title with Janet Todd, and not to mention a Muay Thai golden era aficionado. So thanks for coming on the podcast, Brian. Thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I said a little bit um, before, the, before we started recording properly there about how I'd kind of met you and I'll, or how I'd uh, come across you was, was through a magazine article. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut that in. We won't revisit that. But I, I think that's. <laughs> I, I uh, years back, um, I would uh, ask you questions on your forum and and try to apply them to. to oh yes. To training and everything, that. yeah, way back when. So <laughs> when you when you asked, I was like, yes, of course. And these things, I don't have regular headphones. I have these little pods. I just realized how silly they look. I look like an alien. <laughs> The other choice would be like borrow my daughter's headphones and they're pink and they have like cat ears on top of them and they light up. So I'm like, mm, I'll go with you. You, like, you could pull off either of those, but <laughs> <laughs> the lights might be distracting. Very much so. Very much so. You said about um, you kind of uh, being familiar with, with me from a while ago. I wanted to point out as well that I, I've, I went and dug it out I, I don't know if you can see that. Do you remember featuring in there? I, I do. <laughs> I was so young and skinny. Yeah. Um, do you know what? For the, oh, for the, my goodness. For the video, I'm going to put a little snapshot of that in there. But that, that was my first, uh, my first, the first time I came across you, you and your name and, and everything. So, you know, I've, I'm also very familiar with, with your journey as well and, and, and what you've been up to. So I'm really pleased that you've come on, mate. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, that's back in your early days there um, of, so. of Muay Thai. Um, and I believe you actually you actually started in the mid-1980s, wasn't it, in Illinois to start off with, yes. and not necessarily yes. in Muay Thai. So um, I know there's quite a story for how you ended up in California and, and all the rest of it as well, but I'm interested to know how you actually got started in Muay Thai. What's the story there? Well... You have to go back a little tiny bit further. Um, my very first day of uh, called junior high school or middle school, it might be. Um, I was late leaving, so I walked home and uh, got jumped by a couple of bullies <laughs> and you know beat up a little bit. Uh, so uh, right away, my mother, my parents, uh, enrolled me in uh, martial arts school. So the closest place was a taekwondo school and that really just sort of lit the fire of 
of uh, all things uh, martial arts. I obsessed uh, like mad and I was at the library picking up any, every book about any style and all the magazines and a you know stack of magazines every month and uh, yeah just that was stoked the fires I just got really interested. Um, happened to be at a grocery store and they have like a little community pork board, you know, people selling furniture, lost dog or uh, whatever. <laughs> and a flyer stuck, uh, caught my eye. It said Kali slash kickboxing. I was like, wow, that's interesting. What do we have there? Uh, so gave the fellow a call. His name was uh, David Rogers. He was my, I would say my you know, first introduction to Muay Thai. Um, yeah, he was uh, basically more of a, at the time, like a, you know, Jeet Kune Do concepts guy. So we did some of the Muay Thai, some of the, uh, like the Juntan trapping, and obviously the Kali, since that was part of his, uh, you know, his name of his program. Um, that would have been, like the 84, 85. Um, so just a little dabble then. Um, 85, 86, something like that. 1985, 1986. And uh, that was the, that was the first introduction. That that was where I first, um, you know, learned a little bit. Albeit at the time, it was um, wasn't strict. Like you know, wasn't strictly Muay Thai. There was a little bit of a mixture of things. Uh, but that was the first taste of it. I uh, did that for a couple of years, and then high school came along, and you know, it was a High school punk rocker. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was thought I was from London or something, you know, Manchester, <laughs> something like that. So uh, you know, I did my best best vicious for four years or so, and then uh, once I got out of high school, I had to, you know, needed something to pass my time because uh, yeah, so delved back into it, and by that time, David, uh, Coach David, been moving more towards uh, strict Muay Thai versus uh, versus many of the other arts. And then that was it. So from about 90, 91 on, um, it's been a daily obsession. And and was the, the intention there, I mean, obviously the initial kind of intro there was, I've been bullied, I'm going to do something here more for self-protection purposes. But there right. was a switch there to competition and competing. Um, was that something quite early on, that you kind of had in your mind when you when you started the training beyond the, the initial kind of I can protect myself. Yeah, it, after a certain point, you know, sort of the second uh, the second chapter, if you will, the post high school chapter. Um, you know, what what am I trying to say? What am I going to do with this? Um, what can I do? It, you know, aside from you know self defense type situations or whatever, uh, I felt like I needed an avenue to test that. Um, and the, the initial idea was, okay, I'll do this once and that'll be it. And then <laughs> it just kept steamrolling from there a little bit. So, but yeah, it, it just kind of came out of the desire to, to see, can I really apply all this? Can, can this, can this be done, you know, uh, in competition versus, you know, under stress, uh, all that, you know, just the desire to test it out. Can I, can I actually make this work or is this just, when not yeah. really know this. Yeah. There's a big difference, isn't there, as well, when you think there's someone else who's actually trained for this as well, rather than potentially someone in a self-protection situation who has got no clue really how to fight. They might just 
have a physical presence and that's what they get away with. Um, but then that opportunity to someone else is also equally prepared for this. Um, that's, that's different. There's a, there's an interesting test there to be had, isn't there? Oh, very much so. Very much so. Although, although I must, you know, I must interject those first couple of fights. I think a couple of the guys I fought didn't quite know what they were getting into. Um, <laughs> But, you know, hey, a fight's a fight, you know, so, I mean, like, stylistically, like, the very first fight, you got to understand, this is, like, uh, downstate Illinois, two hours, you know, two hours from Chicago, the big city, um, you know, small town in the cornfield, so, like, those first fights would be other guys from other martial arts schools that, I guess, had the same inkling as I did, they wanted to test it, but, uh, you know, the promoter, if you call him that, would give them a, a rule set that would really benefited me more than them uh but again that's you know the wild west is like that sometimes you know it's just crazy so. <laughs> and that that move across from illinois all the way across to california um how did that happen wow i, I feel like all my stories are like kind of long-winded <laughs> there's a bit to it um let's see a few okay a few years in um you know I think everybody's goal at some point is like, I gotta go to Thailand and try this out. Uh, so I was able to travel to Thailand and uh, very, not the first camp, I went to a very small camp near um, where th my then girlfriend and now wife, uh, where her family stayed, but the majority of our training was uh, Fairtex in, like I said, this would've been 1995. Um, so like Dong Sanan was still there. Uh, I can see him fight Orono for a Lumpini title. One of the yeah. sort of highlights of my career, uh, you know, I don't want to call it uh, as a fan. Um, yes. How I got to California was, got to know some of the guys at Fairtex in Thailand. They had uh, established their first U.S. camp in Arizona. They needed help. I was lucky enough that they considered me for a job. Um, you know, so I moved from Illinois to Arizona. By the time I was in Arizona, the camp was actually kind of slowing down, closing down, um, all the while I'm maintaining a long distance relationship with, uh, like I said, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, um, who was I living in California. After Arizona closed down, then the next logical step was, well, I'm nine tenths the way to California. Honey, I'm coming out. <laughs> so I ended up out here. And you ended up there, and that was how you kind of ended up coaching as well, rather than just just competing yourself. Uh, yeah, I, I had. Uh, I guess the easiest way to put it is, um, I got it. I didn't start a gym. We bought a pre-existing gym. That's what people ask sometimes. Why boxing works when you're mostly known for Muay Thai? A little bit of a long story, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I ended up with the gym well, well before. I probably should have had a gym or deserved to have a gym or whatever the case may be, but, uh, you know, live and learn and it's, it's worked out. Okay. But, uh, it certainly has, isn't it? It's, I mean, you, you're, you're turning out some successful fighters there and it's a big part of that, of course, is the coaches. Um, and it's the, the culture of what you've got there. Um, and you've, it's, it's not just one person, is it? You've, you've got, several people coming out of boxing works that are, are doing a fantastic job 
I, I think so. I think uh, obviously, uh, you know, Janet Janet Todd was kind of the first one with uh, of, of this generation of uh, this generation at at the gym to really kind of get that international notoriety. Then uh, Jackie Jackie Buntan uh, also signed to one championship. She's coming up. Uh, I have another boy that's uh, boy. Everybody's kids, you know, when you're old, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, okay, his name's Nathan Nathan Ward. He's signed with yeah. Glory, which is actually quite interesting because, uh, you know, his Muay Thai fights is very walk forward, very elbow and knee oriented, but kickboxing promotion that first gave him, you know, uh, contract or what have you. So uh, that's obviously probably still in limbo with, uh, you know, with, with Glory having all their things happening. But uh, those are my big three right now um, in terms of uh, professionals. Um, you know, got a good crop of, of uh, amateurs coming up as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm lucky I've got some good, hardworking, dedicated people. And yeah, and that's what it takes, isn't it, to to get anywhere? It's it's they haven't got to rely on you to to feed them. They've they've got to have they've got to meet you halfway. Absolutely. So what what is it about Muay Thai that that made you fall in love with it? What what was it that you appreciated about Muay Thai from from the start? Um, from the very start, uh, the very beginning, actually before I ever trained it, you know, I'd read magazine articles or little blurbs and in books and it just talked about you know how hard the training was and how how tough everything was and that was interesting because um although i i i loved taekwondo at the time at least at my school it was or the school i was at it was you know it wasn't like the hard intense uh sort of thing um i was wrestling coincidentally at the same time and i was a terrible terrible wrestler uh just god awful um what I liked, I really liked practice. Um, it, it was hard. It was just, you know, you're sweating and working really hard and sprinting. We're running up and down stairs and doing all these things. So the physicality of it, I liked. And uh, like I said, although it was terrible, it just made, made no sense to me. So when I read about a martial art that had the same kind of or a similar kind of training uh, mentality, that was intriguing. That was, that was uh, most intriguing. So that, that was my attraction first. Um, over time, um, you know, I can get to see the fights. So like, you know, third or fourth generation VHS tapes, they're all grainy and, and, and whatnot. You know, now all of a sudden it's like, well, there's these other things going on. There's it's music and, um, you know, like the white crew and the runway and everybody's, you know, wearing the Moncon and, you know, you got your Pratchett. So there's this whole other element of, of something that's, that's, Oh, that's unique. I've never seen that before. And, and, and what is this? So delving into it, uh, the, the cultural aspects, the historical and traditional aspects of it, you know, became very interesting. What is this? What is this? I've never seen this. Again, small town kid growing up, uh, you know, two hours from the, the biggest city. This was just mind-blowingly strange, for lack of a, a better word, but in, intriguing. What, what are these things? What, what make, why is this so unique? Why is there nothing like this? It grabs you like that, doesn't it? I mean, it's very that, much, that, very much that, that balance between the the how kind of ferocious the, the the ties are in the ring, and then there's there's flowers and garlands and the whole Buddhist aspect, and so much respect as well. And it's like, how do these 
two fit together and it's it's like this is a this is a puzzle that needs a closer look absolutely and and i think that actually um that unique blend does attract certain characters to it that i think um you don't see in any other well sport combat sport or anything like that because they a lot a lot of people kind of i guess the wrong kind of people are put off by some of the more traditional aspects, I think. And they, they kind of want something that's a little bit more of a quick fix um, and perhaps not so respect-based. And I think that's that's almost a nice little filter to have that with Muay Thai, that, that it's a different kind of community, I've found. That's, that's something that's personally kept me hanging around Muay Thai rather than, than anything else, is the people in it. Oh, absolutely. 100, 150%, if, if that's a possible number. <laughs> it, it's It's... it's <laughs> No, it's it's yeah, I think so. It is uh, it is a nice filter that <laughs> keeps the riffraff away sometimes, you know. Nice. <laughs> and what's what's changed, Brian, over the years for for what you appreciate about Muay Thai now that you perhaps didn't when you first started? Wow. I think you, honestly, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's uh, just just moments ago. It's it's. It's the, at first, it's this, you know, guy learn and tough and run and, you know, put on this sort of facade, if you will, you know. Um, but you come to find out it's, it is the, uh, it's the relationships um, that you build. It's, it's the people that, that you encounter, the people you surround yourself with. Um, that's the thing I really appreciate now is, is, is the, the connections I've made. The, the, like, for example, I'm just back from uh, this thing, the, w, the TBA Classic. It's a big amateur tournament that takes place in the Midwest here in the U.S., so right in the middle of the country. So people come from both coasts and people come down from Canada. Um, and it's just like a big, uh, it, it's almost not now just like a big family reunion. You can see people that I don't see, <laughs> but you know, once a year in this case, uh, it's been two years since, uh, you know, since the, the yeah. pandemic kind of shut things down last year. So it's really, yeah, it's the people you meet along the way and the friends you make and, and, and then those shared experiences. I think everybody can relate to the highs and the lows. So you all have this, uh, uh, these feelings and emotions in common. And, and that's the thing that's most important to me now. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate now that I didn't, maybe didn't get when I was younger, you know, all of that stuff evolves, doesn't it? Yeah. Because, very you, much. because you are, your, your point of view is different as you, as you're going through all of this. What, what actually um, keeps you coaching now? Why, why are you still doing it after all these years and, and the challenges? That's, let's see. Uh, well, there's a handful of things. I, I, God, there's so many layers to that. Uh, why now? Um, <laughs> it's a quick question, isn't it? But it's like, what? Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is because it's like, okay, why am I still doing it? Well, on one level, um, I, I've always been a all my eggs in one basket kind of guy. So, uh, you know, so I, I don't have much else that, uh, that I can do. 
Oh, <laughs> babe, you know what I mean? I, I, you yeah. know, I, I, you delve into something, you know, you fixate on something so hard, um, you know, all or nothing. And, and, you know, sometimes I don't want to say I don't have a choice, but no longer me have a choice at, at, at that point. I mean, I, right now I still, I still love it. And it really, I circle back just to the last thing. It, it's the, I enjoy, okay, I enjoy competition. Uh, so this is like my competition now, you know, maybe vicariously through other people, but yeah, you know, I like being able to, to watch, uh, like watch a video and you know, come up with a game plan and, and, and pick people apart and then take that idea and, you know, convey those things to the athlete and execute it and work on it. And, and I love it when it, uh, you know, when it all comes to fruition, when it works, you know, it, yeah. it so on one level, like it's reinforcing. I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, you know, okay. Who's the ego? I mean, not really, but you know, I like the, I like that aspect of it. I love that. More importantly, like you said to circle back what we just said, I like doing all that with people that are important to me, people that I like, that I love, um, you know, that have goals. I, I, I like immensely appreciate being able to help them in some capacity reach, you know, reach whatever height they can reach and, and uh, you know, achieve their dreams. It's, it feels great to be a part of that. It really does. I know for me, for me, that's how coaching feels. I kind of ended up fighting and coaching in parallel as a, a lot of people do, I guess. Um, but I've, I've very much found that the, the helping other people was giving me as much of a buzz, especially when they, you know, where they were doing really well, um, as fighting did myself. And it was, it was almost actually the, the fighting was more about when I, when I kind of reflect on it, it was something I felt I needed to do at the time, but it was more, I needed to prove how things worked and what worked and what didn't so that I could help other people shortcut and do the stuff that worked better rather than all the random experimentation I had to do. So it yeah. was more like I was a crash test dummy, to be honest. It was the <laughs> fighting wasn't, it wasn't really to be like a champion or anything. I wanted to take it as far and see how far I could really go, but that wasn't the most important thing. It was more about finding out the, the most efficient way of trying to do this so that I could help other people do it as well. And when, when I actually, when that worked, like you say, it was like, God, this is good. <laughs> and <laughs> and it, it's kind of nice um, not having all the pressure yourself, isn't it? That fighting is is a real pressure environment. And it's it's interesting how you actually react compared to how you feel you will react. Um, I think that environment is, is a, especially in, you know, in, in today's, kind of society if you like where there's a lot more health and safety and and all the rest of it the a lot of the physical risk is taken away so that you never really feel like you're in trouble whereas something like muay thai um allows you to really test that and find out how how do i psychologically react as well when there is some real risk <laughs> it's it's um it's a different kind of animal something like muay thai isn't it Oh, very well. It's it's funny. It's like you said, you know, you willingly 
willingly go out there and, and put yourself at, at, at risk. You know, it's like, like I said, there's so much of a safety net, you know, for our existence now. And it's like, you think about it, like, this is crazy. Why are you willingly <laughs> doing this? You know what I mean? <laughs> you have to tap into some deep down primal thing that's in your DNA for some reason, you know, it's kind of funny. People are funny. I, I think it's that it's that growth thing and it's you you need to push to where it's uncomfortable to find that and everyone's got yeah. different levels of that and I think when you there's a there's a guy called um, Stephen Kotler who's who published lots of stuff on flow state and I've primarily originally with um, ad, adventure sport athletes so it's all snowboarders and, and people like that or all, all the people doing the death defying stuff and how that's enhance their performance because they literally just push to where it's just outside of their capability but that's where everything starts to happen on uh, automatically um they end up in that flow and the instinctive stuff comes out and they they're kind of seeing things that they wouldn't see normally and time kind of changes it either if it's it's if it's like a, a near death experience, everything slows down, but you see everything in crystal perfect frame by frame, yeah. you know, high resolution. Or if you're really enjoying it, time's gone bang really fast, and all of that kind of indicates that you've got into flow. But the key thing with flow is that you're actually just a little bit beyond what you're capable of dealing with. That's how you get into flow. Otherwise, it's not challenging enough, and that's why adventure athletes kind of push and push and push into a lot of them end up mm. killing themselves because they they're looking for that that flow and and the 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 uh the addictive effect of that really and i i think muay thai is kind of on obviously on that spectrum that you, you can kind of do things that probably pushed you initially and they don't feel like a challenge anymore you don't find that flow you don't find that instinctive bit where it's almost like it was an out-of-body experience and something like muay thai especially mm. if you're the rule set promotes that, but also the fact if you're progressing, you've got more and more uh, challenging opponents and they'll take you into flow again. If you've got someone too easy, you're not, you're not hitting flow. You come away from a fight having won and don't feel great about it. And it's, I think that's why, because we, we kind of, we get that feeling and we, we know we have to push ourselves a little bit further than we're actually capable of dealing with to, to hit that. I, uh, I just kind of, Kind of blew my mind with a good amount of that. Some there, uh, there's no uh, the the part especially about when it's just a little bit, you know, beyond your capabilities. Where there's that that push, and it's you have to mention the author's name again. It's right when you you said Stephen, and then right when you got to the last name, the mic went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it's, so you have the absolute Stephen kotler is the guy's name Stephen i'll post kotler. links i'll post links with awesome. this episode as well so it's it's all in awesome. there, useful stuff um, very much so i think it'll, it'll answer a lot of uh questions um for everybody that is kind of listening to this about why do i do this <laughs> and and why why is it sometimes you know that everything just i mean i i always remember um what, it was my first A-class pro fight, we call it here in the UK, where it was full tie rules. And and I actually, I knocked the guy out and I didn't actually know what I knocked him out with. It was one mm. of those, 
I had to watch the video back and everyone's saying, what, what did you hit him with? And I'm watching the video. I, th I'm, I threw a hook punch that missed. He evaded it. And I, I looped straight round into another hook punch straight away. So I missed and it went back and it was like a double hook. It was a really weird circle kind of hook that I managed to get a lot of my body weight behind somehow. But it was one of those like I, I instinctively did that. I was in flow state. It, it was like I was watching someone else do it. And I didn't know what I'd hit him with. He, he was just down on the floor. I kind of vaguely kind of recollected I hit him with a punch. Um, but I don't know what sort of punch, where, what range I was at or anything. It was just I kind of just switched off and let the, the whole sort of spider sense thing kick in, you know. And that, <laughs> that, was, flow, that was flow state, you know. Was, um, his, his, his flow state got him out of the way of the first punch. But then this dis instinctive thing just happened afterwards. Um, and if you're too sort of cognitive and thinking about things, that doesn't happen. You've got to kind of relax and let that all open up. Mm. But it, it is that thing, like I was saying, about the challenging being, challenge being enough. If it's too much, then you become overwhelmed and stressed and it, you don't get into flow either. So it's, it's finding that, that sort of sweet spot. Sweet spot. It's, yeah. I, I think Stephen Kotler talks about like being about sort of 5% more than you can manage. Like you can actually quantify it, but that's kind of... That's what you're looking for. If it's, if it's above mm. that kind of, if it feels above that, it's going to be too much for you and you, you won't hit flow either. And if it's, if you're not, if you're shy of that, you're going to feel it's boring and not challenging enough to reach flow either. So you need that, that right degree of, of challenge. Interesting. It's funny. <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny thinking back to some of my own fights. It's like, I really don't feel, I don't know if this is relevant at all, but I really don't feel like um, I have any recollection of them. Like all the memories I have, uh, and and that's not to say, oh, I, you know, I, I got in, you know, I reached that state every time. I think sometimes maybe it's just more of a disassociative sort of thing, like ah, you know, like 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 you know, just fear and 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 shut off. But I, I really feel like I don't have like memories of them the only reason i remember them is is from watching the uh you know watching the the replay watching the video and that kind of implanted oh yeah yeah i remember this i remember that but a couple of fights that i that i don't have the video of i have no real recollection of anything specific yeah happened it's just interesting how the mind and it does that, how the mind and body kind of work like that. But yeah, I feel like my memories are false. Like they're not my actual memories. It's like from watching a television program. <laughs> no, just figured I'd throw that in there. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good indicator that you you were in flow there. You were exactly the right place. I don't place. think so. I don't think so. I think I was freaking out. You know, I think I was like... You know what I mean? Like that that just, like that that state where you, like you, uh, you block it out or whatever from... Yeah, um, you know trauma. Not to make light of uh, of that, but yes. Anyway, <laughs> but do, do you you obviously feel that all of that experience though has, has helped you um, be a better coach and and help your fighters achieve what they they want to achieve? I I think so because uh, you know on on some level uh, maybe not for those that are at these you know at a stage like. You know, like one championship. I never fought anything quite. Ah, this thing's coming out again. Uh, <laughs> anything quite that that grandiose and and uh, show business esque, if that's the word. 
Um, but at least the experience of of the the combat part of it, the 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 fight, you know, we have that. We've all felt those uh, all the things that come with that, the the stress, the 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 doubts, uh, you know, all those natural human things, a little thing back there that tries to get you off your yeah you know your good positive mindset or what have you so i mean uh, you know and the and the things people don't often talk about the afterwards you know the the pain afterwards and then you know i think having had that experience um you know from the combat from the fight itself um does give you a I don't know, you can relate a little bit better. That's not to say that, you know, there's often, the, I think this debate, Alice, is kind of going in a different direction of, you know, you have to have done it to be good at it. Um, I don't know if that's the case. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I I, I, I certainly think with, uh, you know, with, with fighting, it is, uh, you know, very unique compared to other sports, but uh, I don't know. I, I think it does give me an edge, but I, I'd be, very curious to entertain the fact that, you know, there's, there's possibly coaches that have never done it that can somehow can convey it. I, I don't know. It's interesting. I think it's down to empathy as well, isn't it? So if, if you can establish that relationship with your fighter yeah. and it's building that trust, and um, I guess even if you haven't had a fight, if you've got that relationship, that works. But I, I think it's just, it, it's got to be far easier if you know what they're experiencing, what they're feeling. If, if you've been there and done that, you, you can be more empathetic to that and and bring them along and uh, and help them out that way. I'm interested in the the difference between you said about like the different levels of the fights and obviously the showbiz talk about one championship, something like that. What are the the sort of biggest differences um, between the two there? If you've got a fighter who's been doing all the different levels that there are, and then there's stepping to something like one championship. What are the differences they've got to sort of pay attention to or, or expect and prepare for? It's a handful. Uh, the amount of things you have to do, uh, for example, uh, increase greatly. You have responsibilities, uh, media responsibilities. Um, like I, I know Janet quite often has talked about uh, her very first uh, very first fight with with one um being tired <laughs> from, from from just all the extra things you have to do there's some um, you know there's more medicals involved there's interviews uh there's photo shoots and, you know there's uh, more interviews and more media things and people following you around with uh cameras and capturing your you know some of your day-to-day uh existence so it's you know you're supposed to just go through the motions but it's gotta obviously feel weird with you know someone you know yeah. in your face all, all up in your breakfast and and you know just <laughs> things like that aren't you know it's it's not natural so it so it adds a layer of uh, of uh i think that's initial weirdness to it uh you know that's not typical compared to you know, like a local show where, you know, you show up the day before, you weigh in, they, you know, check your heart rate or whatever, make sure you're not on death's door. And then, you know, the next day you go and do it again uh, with, you know, something like like one or, or glory. You know, there's someone there making sure you're at the right place at the right time. And you've got a uh, your itinerary of, of things you need to do. And 
uh, you know, those the responsibilities add up. Besides just the the competition, there's there's so many more things you have to do now. And there's there's that realization as well that that is stressful and takes away from your recovery, uh, especially if you're, you know, more introverted and you, you don't really like being on camera. You just kind of, I just show up and do my thing in the ring. Thank you very much. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> or the circle if you're in, in one. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're kind of stepping up to that, that's, that's something psychologically you've got to prepare yourself for, isn't it? Because uh, you're going to need a little bit more um, in the tank to deal with that as well as the fight like you would normally have. Very much so. Very much so. Like I said, it's just it's more energy coming at you, or more being pulled from you. Um, and you know, if you're not ready for it, then yeah, it can be a little bit of a a little bit of a shock. And you know, conversely, there's some people that you know that you know their show business from 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 day one. You know, from their <laughs> very, you know what I mean from their very yeah. first amateur fight. They've got their you know they've got a banner and they've got t-shirts and things like that. And they're, and they're, you know, very social media savvy. And, and this isn't a, uh, a put down on, on, you know, if that's how you're operating or whatever, you know, from early on, I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of how it is now. And, and, you know, on some level, that's okay. That's fine. Um, but yeah, so some people you know, to get to that moment is, you know, there's lots of different, I don't know, the goal, the dream. Yeah. Different, just, you know, you're about, I think you're about to say, you know, lots of different people, different mindsets and such. Exactly. The, the, the different sort of personalities and, and traits and everything. Um, going down those sort of line of traits, though, what do you think of them with your experience of seeing, you know, the people that you've worked with that have become champions? What do you think are the, the most important traits for a champion? Work ethic. Does that count? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I think that's huge. I think that's probably number one. Um, you know, just, just the desire to put in the work, just knowing that, okay, doing what needs to be done. Uh, you know, not, not necessarily, I don't necessarily like this aspect or like doing this, but it's what has to be done. You know, you don't have to like it. You just got to do it. And people that can embrace that, I think are, I think that trait, that quality is huge. Um, Aside from work ethic, teamwork, or the, the ability to, you know, I, I, I think some people will say you have to be, well, it's a weird balance of a certain amount of selfish and a certain amount of being able to, uh, to work together. Because without these other people uh, helping you, you know, you're not going to be able to achieve anything. It's like you can't just, you can't. You know, you can train alone on a bag or whatever, but it's just not going to have the same benefit of, of you know, having people that, are, can, that can help you out. So the ability to work as a unit, cohesiveness, um, work ethic, I already said that. Those are the big two. Yeah. Three o'clock in the morning, I'll, I'll think of more things. I'll be like, wait, done, done. <laughs> Edit this in. I know I've got a different T-shirt on. No one will tell. <laughs> I'll cut it all together so it works really nicely. <laughs> my hair, hair will be one way, hair will be the other way. It'll be something crazy. Continuity errors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold on, it's night time. It's daytime. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what's going on here. <laughs> 
I think the point that you made about um, that balance between the right amount of selfish, I think is exactly spot on because that was something I personally found found when I started up my own gym. I had I I eventually decided right, I'm going to have a full full time Muay Thai gym here that had all of the elements that I wanted together so I could train people properly and myself. So I, I, you know, the strength and conditioning side, for example, as well as all the Muay Thai side, I wanted the kit that I wanted to be able to use and have walls that I was allowed to throw stuff at to train like a, an athlete, you know, rather than a, a, a fitness gym that didn't let you do anything. I wanted all these things yeah. together and I put it together and being the gym owner and the coach, I found I was spending too much time really running that business and coaching everybody else and putting everybody else first, even when I had a fight date coming up, I'd always end up shortchanging myself. And I wouldn't have that right degree of selfish at that moment because I had a fight coming up. There were, there were responsibilities that I had personally, but I'd still, if someone would approach me and I was training, I would stop and talk to them and help them out and do whatever. I'd be like, ah, oh, damn it, I've lost my little window to get some training now. I've got these classes and stuff to do. And it's like, I lost that again when I should have had some boundaries there and said, I've, I've actually got a fight coming up now and, and put them off. And I think that can be difficult for people pleasers like me that, are, that yeah. can go the wrong side of the line can end up not being selfish enough when there's a fight date. And there, there is this kind of, there's got to be this narrowing of focus, hasn't there? And being like, I'm so many, so many weeks out now, I need to make sure I'm getting what I need to get done here and, and not putting other people's agendas ahead of mine. I, I, yeah, spot on. And, and I think, you know, for so many people like yourself, and for me for a brief period of time as well, like doing all those things at once is very difficult. Something's one of, something has to suffer, you know, unfortunately. It'd be nice to be able to absolutely do your own thing and absolutely be able to help everybody out. But, uh, you know, I, I found that, yeah, it just, it's probably not gonna, probably something's probably gonna suffer a little bit. You know, yeah. how, how can you put such, there's only so much of you to give physical, mental energy, time of day. It's uh, advice out there, young people. <laughs> if you know, yeah, <laughs> wait till you're done fighting to, you know, to, to, Try to coach and open your own, probably open your own gym, things like that. It's it's very, it's all very difficult to try to keep all those plates spinning. It doesn't work. Yeah, or at least it's difficult. So. It's a, it's certainly a lot harder, and it's I think it's it's kind of like we were speaking about before with the the extra demands of of a, a higher level show promotion, where there are these other demands on you for interviews and stuff like that. It all it all drains from that central energy reserve and focus so it's uh the the more different avenues like that you've got tapped into you and trying to draw out from you you've you've got to be a lot more selective i guess at certain times on um how much of that flow is going out and making sure you've got enough of it coming back in and it's certainly yes. difficult if you're fighting and a coach and having owning a gym as well all at the same time uh you certainly need a good team around you to to help you kind of manage that and pick oh, up absolutely. pick up the, the some of the issues for you and, and uh, some of the workload there and afford you the time to invest in yourself a bit. Absolutely. It's funny. You just mentioned about the, 
it's something I found interesting uh, about the you know the the the, the demands on your uh, sort of your energy. Um, one 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 of my athletes is seeing a I guess a sports uh, psychologist, mind coach, or whatever. However, I, I'm not sure they're exact. Uh, this person's exact term or how they look at themselves. But I would sit in on a few of the sessions because um, I you know, found it beneficial to understand the work that they were doing together and be a part of it so it could just all be a cohesive unit as a, as a, you know, as a team. Um, one of the things he said, which I found very interesting, uh, was that the kind of, mm, I can't think of the exact words, but the, the emotional investment that you would have in, say, watching a teammate perform you know, in a fight competition was almost not quite but almost the same as the kind of ups and downs and, and the same type of uh energy output that you yourself would have so he was saying that you know to go and you know if you watch like you're in say a team environment and you watch four or five of your teammates compete first you've gone through this cycle you know, that many times. So when it comes down to your turn, you know, your, your reserves are, are, are not, you know, not what they, what they should be, what they can be. Um, so I found that very fascinating and just, uh, uh, I mean, this doesn't prove a point, but off of some of the IFMA events, I would see that like, if we would be, I would co help coach the, the U.S. Uh, U.S. IFMA team for a couple of years, um, but it was a collaborative effort, and we had, you know, sort of people that were um, team director and so on and so forth. And they always wanted the, uh, you know, the team to be there to cheer on the team, which I which I, I totally get and understand. But like, kind of looking back on that now, it's like I wonder how much of that would draw negatively from um, from the athletes that had coming up that same day um anyway yeah, it's a good point I, yeah something i thought about something to think about and i think it, it, it can be down to the individuals as well i mean i know i personally like to to kind of just shut myself away and, and when i was fighting same. and i'd just like call me out i almost wanted to kind of just have this lovely little time travel travel teleport to where i was bang touching glass with my <laughs> opponent go that would have been perfect for me I right just... right <laughs> <laughs> but it's um yeah it's that that watching someone else and you going through the emotions as well i, I think the, the sort of the scientific term is like mirror neurons where you observe okay. something and then your brain doesn't really know any difference between you doing that and someone else yes. doing it. And it triggers yeah. those emotions. And that with those emotions, those extreme emotions, there is an energy cost as well. So it is yes. like you're running yourself through that cycle. Um, and it's, it's knowing, I guess, for you personally as a fighter, how much of that you need to kind of amp you up. And when that's now burning too bright, way too early before you're even going to fight, and you need to just calm that down, remove yourself from it. And I think that is a bit of a personal journey. And it's, I think that's where good coaches actually know their fighter and can help them uh, adjust their environment to, to make it more of what they need. So the ones that are kind of, kind of need sparking up a bit, it's like go and watch some fights. <laughs> and those that mm. don't, that are a little bit just, they're burning too bright, right, right from the word go here, just remove them from it. 
just be like, um, I'll come and I'll come and get you when it's time, you know, chill out, listen to your music, whatever, close your eyes, yeah. sleep, <laughs> whatever you, whatever you need to do. Um, yeah, really, really. The, the other thing as well with this, the whole energy thing, I, I think I mentioned it before on the podcast, actually, this whole thing with, um, there's a, there's a model called general adaptation syndrome. So it's, it's where your body experiences all kinds of stresses in as exactly the same thing. So that's regardless of whether it's a physical stress of working really hard or whether it's too hot or too cold in your environment, whether you're hungry and, or, uh, you know, uh, overeaten or, or underfed, whether you're having poor sleep, poor nutrition, all of that stresses the body. So the sort of hormonal responses are the same. Um, so when you're kind of running yourself through that, that's, that is what's happening. You know, there, there is a physical energy demand to all of this that aren't all physic physical things. You know, it could just be mm. you're having grief from your, your family members or something, you know, your partner's giving you a problem. All of that kind of comes into your ability to, to recover from training even as well, way out from the fight, but let alone on the day. I mean, I've, I've experimented. There's something called, um, heart rate variability, which looks at, yes. Have you come across that? Yes, yes. Yeah, really useful tool. So um, for those that aren't familiar with that, your heart beats at so many beats per minute. The more excited and, and aroused you are, the higher it goes up. The more relaxed you are, the lower it comes down. But the beats per minute aren't regular. It's, it's kind of a little bit more all over the place. We take the average and give you the average beats per minute. Um, when you're, depending on whether you're in fight or flight or in rest and recovery, whether you're stressed or not, sympathetically stressed or parasympathetically stressed um the beat uh frequency the regular regularity of that changes so you can kind of measure someone's heart rate for a period of time typically sort of like two minutes and look at how how even that is and depending on how that is actually the more the more kind of even it is it can end up that you're very stressed <laughs> it kind of clips almost like it clips your revs if you think of it like a, mm. a car kind of <laughs> analogy there that indicates that you're very sympathetically stressed, fight or flight. Um, but I've, I've measured this stuff um, through training and and uh, things that weren't training as well to see what would happen. And stuff like travel, you know, if you're traveling to, if you've got flights and a change of time zones, all this kind of stuff makes your body just whoop, the needle goes right into stress straight away. And you, you've not done anything. You might have just been sat still all of that time traveling, but your body's massively stressed. And then if you take someone who's not comfortable with interviews, having to do all that as well, boom, right into stress straight away. So it's, it's kind of for the individual being able to sort of manage all of that and, and kind of respect that there's a lot of things that affect whether you feel particularly recovered and, and what your energy demands are. And even stuff like, like you say, watching other fights at the kind of wrong time can just, you're burning the candle at both ends potentially, depending on, on the individual and how they're reacting to that. It's all, you know, it's all just fascinating, isn't it? It's amazing stuff, you know. But with, with uh, gosh, I, I never, uh, like I knew travel would be stressful, but I never really even considered that, you know, that's adding to you know, the overall uh, overall package of things that make things difficult, so to speak, you know. <laughs> It's a good one. The, do you know what the worst the worst HRV score I had was after a night out drinking, like on a New Year's night or something. And I measured it the next day. And it's like, ha, what? <laughs> <laughs> too many pints. 
that was, yeah, I poisoned myself. <laughs> it, it's funny. Like we started, uh, you know, I, I can't begin to, uh, you know, claim that, that I understand everything as in depth as, as, as yourself or as, as many others, but just on a very basic sort of level, we started, you know, using, you know, using apps to, to, to track the HRV. And, and the funniest part was like, now we, you know, we're going to have to back off a little bit today and, you know, just get the stubborn, why? I feel fine. I'm like, yeah, but you know, this says, you know, it, it, it I don't know. I mean, is, is there, I, I would wager there's maybe a certain amount of artistry that has to be yeah. tweaked to the science of it. You know, you're like, oh, I feel fine. I feel great. You know, but I'm like, well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we should just pay attention to this and, and not it today. Cause that's so typically of, 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 that's so typical of, of Muay Thai, pardon me, of Muay Thai. Thai boxing is just, you know, it, it, it culturally or, or, and I don't mean like, culturally but i mean just culturally through the sport it's just such a go thing yeah. you know it's like go hard all the time and the harder the better and the more harder you know the, the, the okay great you can do you can go this hard for this long now it's going to be better if you can go harder for longer it's just this this sort of culture of uh more is uh more is more Fighters but, uh, are the worst. I mean, it, it, what makes a good fighter? Kidding. What makes a good fighter doesn't necessarily in the ring doesn't necessarily make them a good long-term athlete because they will break themselves. <laughs> and, and trying to you know trying to convince people of that is is like somewhat. It, it seems like it's somewhat taboo. It's like people take a, a sort of a pride in you know how sucky. You know how much of you know. You, I'm sure you've heard the term "embrace the suck." It's like, a, yeah, I think it comes from the military or whatever. You know, just enjoying the, you know, just putting up with whatever hardship. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard it called I, struggle I, porn, and I like I like that term. Oh, struggle porn. That's We're funny. Like, oh. I, like, I like that. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Yeah. And it's like it, it's it's uh, yeah, it's almost like a badge of honor to like you know I killed myself for you know six days in a row and you know or you know 48 times in the last uh you know whatever two weeks i mean that's not obviously it's a crazy made-up number but um <laughs> yeah it's it's very interesting that you know culturally the the art is is like that and if you deviate from that people kind of question you <laughs> <laughs> Which is which is why, you know, a lot of, you know, from from asking you questions way back in the day, uh, uh, you know, going on the forum and, 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 you know, delving into some of your work and who else um, was influential? Gosh, I can't think of his name now. Um, it'll come again. It'll come to me at 3 a.m. But um just kind of deviating from the norm of, of, you know, what everyone's notion of, of Muay Thai and Muay Thai training and frequency and intensity and, and, and things like that. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just terribly interesting to see how, how reluctant people are to, to take on, um, 
I don't know, more modern approaches or, or what have you, you know? I think especially when it's it's not commonplace in Thailand and everyone always goes yeah. back to Thailand as being the gold standard. They are the best in yes. the world um, and trying to take the model that works in Thailand and roll it out regardless of where they are in the world and and what their life schedule is compared to someone who trains yeah. in Thailand. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's very hard, I think, any, anybody else to replicate, like I said, that kind of lifestyle. It just doesn't happen. And, and, and to try to replicate that training volume uh, to a T for someone whose lifestyle is different, I, I really don't think that's the, you know, the, the best approach. And plus, you know, you consider it's like, okay, maybe you go over there and you instantly throw yourself into um, someone else's training schedule or training volume or things of that nature someone that's been doing it since they're seven, they, they probably adapted somewhat to that over, you know, I don't know, say 10 years, 12 years, whatever, however many years, where you going in, you don't have the same, I don't know what you would call it, training history, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, that allows you to adapt efficiently to, to that much work. Again, this is me kind of mirroring or, or, or bro sciencing people that are, that, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're much more adept at this, but uh, but I, I've you know kind of found that taking things like that into account um, and not necessarily trying to mirror everything of someone with a different uh, you know different lifestyle, um, I think it's working better for us. It's like I find that like I, like I want to do, and, and this drives some people mad, and they can't believe it. But it's like, I want to do the least amount of work and get the maximum results from it versus like having to, I don't want to do one more extra round just to do it. I, I, I you know, yeah, it's like, I'm the laziest coach there is in that regards. And it's not the end. And I'm, I'm being funny about it, but it's like, why do I need to do, you know, this much when you, you get the result doing this much and at this intensity and, and yeah. And, and that's that's spot on because it, it should be really um, like scientific training would be minimum dose. Just like you say, what's the minimum amount I can do to get the body to adapt? And I get that much adaptation whether I give you, you know, one spoonful or I've given you 10. You still only improve by X amount, the same amount. You just need to overload a bit. But it's it's the the bit to get people to progress for the longest time means just exceeding it enough each time. Just enough. If you take too many steps, you've wasted those um, and they hit a ceiling sooner or they start overtraining and they get injured yeah. and, you know, lose motivation, all that kind of stuff. So that that minimum dose is 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 really important, actually. And uh, having a coach that kind of understands that and also understands when we, we need a bit of that mental toughness training where, no, actually, this is this is just pushing you not for the sake of the, the training benefit all the time, but also just to get you used to being uncomfortable and dealing with that. Yeah. And, and that's the bit I think fighters kind of get muddled up with because there definitely has to be that mental toughness part of it. But then right. there's also understanding the difference between <laughs> the training stimulus and the adaptation. And the stimulus is the bit that makes you work hard, but it actually fatigues you, breaks you down and makes you worse for temporarily a, a period of time. And it's only when you recover from that that you get fitter than you were. And it's 
not allowing the recovery is the bit where you start going down that downward slope rather than getting better. Um, and that's where something like HRV can measure it and show it to you. Um, but there's, you don't have to use HRV. I mean, there's, there's lots of ways you can kind of just manage, even just going by how the fighters feel to a certain extent as well. But sometimes what the fighters feel mentally kind of overrides it because that's why they're good fighters. They're good at yeah. mentally overriding where their <laughs> fatigue levels really are. Um, but we've got to remember at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to be better at what, uh, what we're doing. We're trying to be better Muay Thai fighters, not just making every day as hard as it can be. It's like what actually moves me closer or closer to my ultimate kind of level that I personally with, with this body and this brain that I can actually achieve and not just smash myself all the time. Definitely a time yeah. to smash yourself, but not all the time. Yeah, it's just, like I said, it's just funny culturally how that's, you know, some of this is uh, really off limit, <laughs> <laughs> which, which is fascinating, you know, it's fascinating. It's just, I mean, it is what it is, but uh, yeah, I guess it's like we talked about earlier, it's just that, you know, that balance of, of what's needed physically and then you know, the mental push as well. I think people want to quite often delve into the, just to prove on that every single day how tough they are, how much you can take, and which, you know, is admirable. But like you said, there's a definite point of diminishing returns. I feel. Yeah. It's all wrapped up in that self-identity as a fighter, isn't it? It's, it's kind of you yeah. need to confirm that to yourself. Daily. Um, Twice yeah. a day, five times a day. Yeah, Whatever. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes i th i think it's um it's about knowing what the the training purpose was for that day more than anything rather than just feeling mm. i'm measuring every session by how tired i feel um it's like this was my objective to get better at this this and this and it could have been something completely technical which meant i shouldn't have been fatigued because i'm trying to learn a new skill and if i'm fatigued i'm i'm rehearsing bad movement and that's becoming my pattern and even if you've left the session kind of not tired, but I, I grooved in a new habit or changed, changed something I've been doing wrong for years and years and years <laughs> because I was doing it fresh and, and, and consciously working, 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 not letting it slip, which is what happens when you go to, into fatigue. You start to just deviate into what you've done thousands of times. Um, if you're trying to change something, fatigue's not great. So um, if you've got a, a purpose as a fighter in the session, sometimes that, that can really help with not feeling like you have to come out smashed all the time. <laughs> what what are the greatest kind of obstacles and challenges that you think you've you've had, Brian, either as a fighter or a coach or both? And what were the lessons that you've you've learned from those? Well, greatest challenges. Um, activity um, in terms of, of of availability of competition. Um, you know the the. The U.S. it's growing, and I'm thankful for that. I'm very grateful, um, but quite often, I'll get really specific here. Um, for some of my female athletes, you reach sort of a a, a peak of um, available fights very very quickly. Um, so at one point, just being able to get fights. Uh, was extremely challenging and that's you know that's a testament to uh you know a few a few of uh, a few of the women i coach uh, of their 
you know, their tenacity and their stick-to-itiveness that, you know, before, say before one championship came along for us, um, and it reached a point where it was just impossible to find fights. People wouldn't do it. You have, you have too much experience. No one wants to fight you. You have too much of a name. No one wants to fight you locally. You know, because for a local California fight, you know, the promoters are less likely to bring people out from the other coast or definitely, you know, internationally is off the table just because, you know, if financially it's, it's, it's too hard for them. So they, they'd love to be able to have you on, but, um, can't, you know, yeah. it makes no sense financially for these guys. So just the fact that, you know, they could stick through it and, and uh, persevere when there weren't immediate things on the table um, was huge. So that was, that was a big, uh, big challenge. That's one of them. You know, it's very difficult and you have people that are totally motivated, very talented. Um, You know, if there wasn't this big ocean here, this big ocean on the other side of the uh, other side of the country, you know, it would, these opportunities would be so much greater. And then conversely, they'd be able to, you know, to, to, become better athletes with, you know, fighting people from, from all these countries with a, a tremendous Muay Thai scene. But, um, you know, that was a big challenge. Um, well, too many, it's a daily challenge. <laughs> <laughs> balance, you know, like I said, finding the balance of, 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 of many different aspects of life. Um, the, the business, you know, the gym and, and, and the fighting aspect of it, although intertwined are often separate because you know, the, the fighting doesn't really support the, the business side of the gym. So, so finding the balance between, um, you know, what needs to be taken care of, you know, I know what I like to do, what I like to do isn't always what needs to be done uh, or what needs as much attention. So finding that balance, finding the people to help you with that. That's been a challenge, you know, find balancing things out um, at home, you know, because, because these other things can take up such uh, time and energy and, and, you know, and, and you gotta balance that with home life, which is, which, you know, at times it's challenging. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate and very grateful to say that that's less of the case now. Um, yeah, because we're we're like my wife's very involved uh, now with with uh, fighting in the corner. You know, you know, throwing the corner manifest on her. You're going to work now, you know, and, and getting her there. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, I remember the very first. You know, I'm delving here, but I remember the very first time she was just freaked out. We went to like a a local, you know, a smaller show the next state over, and it was she came along and myself and the boy that was fighting, uh, Victor. Alvarez is, you know, one of the kids that's been with me since he was a little kid, uh, you know, young man now. Anyway, um, I'm like, okay, you got to help out in the corner. So I threw the vest on her and she's just freaked out. She doesn't know what to do. She's, I got to do this with the chair. I got an ice pack and this and that. And fortunately, you know, uh, fortunately, Victor stopped the kid in the first round. So she didn't have to do anything. But, you know, <laughs> she was like, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. Victory. <laughs> so she's, she, you, know, you know, so she's been a part of it ever since. So. Um, you know, having that is, is, uh, is a great thing. And that's, uh, definitely helped with, you know, the family balance. Um, it's a big part of it, isn't it? 
It's a big part of it, that family yeah, support. Yeah, it's huge. Without it, you know, without it, it's, it's, I, I, I don't think you can do it, or I don't think you can do it um, and feel good, you know, feel good about it. Because it, it's like, if you don't have that support system, uh, you know, I don't know, it's like you, you got your engine running smooth and transmission shifts great. And you got this, you know, it's exhaust is awesome. And then you've got square tires or something. I mean, it's, it's just not gonna run smoothly and optimally, so. Yeah, it's a, it's a complete system, like you say, yep. balance. Yeah. How has how your uh, approach to fight preparation changed since you first started well, as a fighter yourself and right through to how you coach others now? Mm. Um, some of it's what we touched on a little bit before. Like I used to be of the, uh, you know, more tougher, harder, stronger uh, school of thought for myself. And, uh, and then for others, uh, so that was definitely something I was, you know, I kind of subscribed to early on. And then over the years, it's, it's changed, uh, we pay more attention to, you know, what, what the numbers are showing us on the electronics and also, you know, just based on feel. And then on my end of it, just observing things as well, if things don't, you know, they seem off today or, you know, like knowing when to cut things short or, you know, change the session up. So we're, you know, we're going to go not as hard today. We're going to go lighter. Or we're going to go less. Um, so adapting in that way, that's definitely changed over the years where it used to be like, what's your problem? You know, why can't you? What? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know tough. Well, why are you not tough today? Why are you not strong today? Um, it's like okay, let's let's work around that. Let's see if we you know what we can do. So uh, that's changed over time. Um, just the methods of training, like before, it was you know almost like a just a strict sort of Thailand. Uh, you know what's good there is good here. So everything was all <laughs> just very you know, very like Thai pad based. Like you know five rounds on the pads, five rounds on the bag. You know clinch for thirty minutes. You know, a couple days a week, just boxing, sparring, where over the time I've adapted more drilling, more partner type work, um, sparring-esque, sparring-like drills. You know, people might call it like, you know, Dutch style, right? Which I, I really don't think that's exactly what we do, but, you know, more, uh, more things based upon having a, a gloved up, padded up partner versus just, uh, just pad work in terms of, uh, you know, types of the types of things that we do uh, that's changed over time you know we spend a lot more time working uh those types of things in addition to the pad work and, and the more you know traditional aspects um is there is there anything <laughs> that you'd go back and and change brian you know with either your how your your muay thai training or or, or even coaching was from from what it was to to now, maybe I try to be more understanding of of, of some of the things we touched on uh, in terms of um, you know just how the people are how they're performing that day. Yeah, yeah. I I think at some point everybody maybe has been that proverbial you know you know hitting 
hit you with the stick or, or whatever the case may be and trying to push you. And like I said, there's a, there's certainly time and place for that, but maybe, uh, you know, being more understanding of, of people's lifestyle outside of what happens in that 90 minutes or two hours in the gym, uh, less cookie cutter. You know, early on, it's, it's just very, here's how it's, it's this regiment and you must fit in this regiment. When over time I've discovered that's, that's probably not the best way is, you know, prescribing the exact same thing for, for everybody is not, it's, it's not how I do it anymore. You know, yeah. in a class environment, you kind of maybe have to do that a little bit more, but more uh, smaller, the smaller the group gets down to just the individual obviously allows you for a lot more uh, leeway for that. So, you know, becoming more understanding. Um, gosh, I wish, I, you know, I, I think this, <laughs> this is a universal thing across life, but it's like, boy, I wish I knew then what I knew now. Uh, <laughs> and you know what, that's, that's why I kind of, I wanted this podcast to happen because there's loads of stuff that back when I was a lot younger, I thought this, this was definitely the way to look at it. And you always change your mind because you're always growing and learning the, the field kind of changes, you know, ev yeah. everything that we, we know about what is really leading to success and what isn't, it changes all the time. And I think that's, that's kind of good because if you were doing it, you've not grown at all. Have you? you, you true. That's true. the purpose. But yeah, you, you, you definitely True, but but <laughs> you would have been so much easier. And what could I have achieved? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Like, oh you know, you get you get the cheat code after you've outgrown the game or whatever, you know. It's just <laughs> no, no. But that like I said, that's that's life, that's growth, you know. Maybe maybe if you had it, then you wouldn't be able to do anything with it, you know. So I think there's a certain amount of that being ready for something receptive to something you kind of yeah. there's some you probably stuff did present itself but you just completely overlooked it because you weren't ready for it and uh, yeah. yeah a little bit later on you're kind of like ah now i see why this is relevant i'm actually going to pay attention now <laughs> it's like i can go back and and say you know you touched on the you know golden era sort of geeking yes. out about that okay so it's like i can go and watch a fight that i watched 25 years ago and and then you see something like okay that didn't change that bit of videotape uh, or whatever format you still have it in you know kids uh, people are like well, what is this videotape thing yeah. you know whatever format you have it on right uh that hasn't changed that hasn't changed since that happened but all of a sudden you know that's still there you just weren't ready for it you weren't ready you weren't seeing what's you know, what's going on, but it, it's always been there. So. Do you know what? That reminds me of a, there was a clip I saw shown somewhere and it was like, here's a video clip. I've got to try and find it now. I bet I won't, I'll try and put a link into it if I find it, but there's a clip that says that there's these players on a basketball, um, on uh, playing basketball here. They're, they're, how many passes do the blues pass or something like this? And you're, you're counting one, two, three, four. I said, all right, very good. How many was it? But did you notice the dancing bear? Like, what? <laughs> They're having a laugh. And you play it again, and this fella comes on dressed up as a bear and goes, does this little dance <laughs> from left to right. And you're like, 
I did not see that because you were so yeah. focused on the shirt colors and counting the passes. This sort of dark colored bear, your brain just completely shut it out. And it's yeah. you watch the same footage again. You're like, it's right there in front of me. How did I not see that? But that's a really good kind of example there, really what your brain does with some of this stuff that you, you when you're looking for a certain thing, that's what you see. And you, yeah. you exclude a lot of other stuff that would, was uh, possibly as, as vital, if not more so. <laughs> it's, it's you. You're the different thing. Well, it's always fascinating when people, you know, from outside of, of, of these sports, like, you know, like watch yeah, Muay Thai boxing. I think boxing probably the, you know, combat sport wise, the most, you know, uh, hopefully ingrained across more people. Anyway, they watch it and they're like, it's just people hitting each other, but I'm like, no, it's, it's not. There's just, you know, anybody can do this. This is just people doing, you know, caveman things to each other. And I know, you know what I mean? It's, it's mm-hmm. that they just, you just don't know. So, you know, there's levels, there's levels to it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it finally finally brian um you've been really generous with your time mate thank you um, no please uh, keep me on here it keeps me from <laughs> I, I have from like ha- having to you know pick something or mow the lawn no i don't mow the lawn uh anyway. keep I, it coming I, let's do it <laughs> well, no I, I, it's 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 early here it's late there so i i appreciate you you know taking the time and Thank you, mate. Your, your, your evening. Thank you. I'd love to know if you were to give one piece of advice to someone who wants to be as great as they can be, based on your experience and everything you've seen, what would that be? Same hardest question for last. <laughs> <laughs> feel feel free to say I've already spoken about it. You know, it's, it was, I, I, it was I, this. It doesn't have to be something different. It could be it was this thing we spoke about. You know. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. To, to cut it down to one piece is mm. probably probably kind of daunting. Um, believe in yourself, you know. But like, 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 believe that you can do, you know, what it is you set out to do. But don't just okay, believe in yourself, but make a plan, you know. Plan it out, structure it out, put a a time frame, and, and 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 you know figure out what you need to do to get to that point. Because it's one thing just to I can do it and not really have a plan, and just kind of float around. But yeah, you know, there has to be a, a a structure, and you really gotta get in there and get down to the minutia of of of. of what you need to do to, to achieve those things. Having the belief and, but also equally being prepared to take the action, isn't it? To Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. They, yes. The, yeah. That, that, that puts it in a nice, better, concise sort of, sort of way for sure. And then having the uh, adaptability because sometimes you got to be able to change it up. Yeah. As you learn more, you know, like, like we kind of touched on, like, oh, okay, that's my plan isn't the best plan, the right plan, so on and so forth. So believe in yourself, but, uh, you know, hopefully finding a mentor, someone that can guide you as well is helpful. Brilliant. 
love it, Brian. Thank you for you know sharing Man, some you. of the some of the wisdom that you've gained over the many years you've had up to your neck in Muay Thai. It's, I think it's been <laughs> super valuable. Well, I appreciate it. I, I, I it's 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 funny. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm very happy to do this. Uh, on one level, it's like. Uh, yeah, uh, about time. But on another level, it's like no, yeah, you know what I mean. It's like I, I'm, I'm thankful for the, the if you think enough of me to, 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 to have me be a part of this. Um, but you know, again, also at the same time, it's like, oh man, little old me. There's so many people out there. There's this guy. There's that guy. There's this woman. There's that woman. And so, uh, to be included, I, I, I truly appreciate it. Thank you. You can follow Brian on Instagram at Brian Pope Joy, and also follow Boxing Works Gym on Instagram at Boxing Works. And check out the Boxing Works website, boxingworksofficial.com. And as usual, you'll find links to all of these with this episode. Thanks for listening. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, and share with someone else it could help too. Please give the podcast a review or comment below. We'd love to hear from you. As always, you can visit heatrick.com for more Muay Thai performance podcasts, videos, articles, and guides. Catch you next time.